The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Well, hello and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman, kind of a media producer type guy. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. I'm also at the Center for Spiritual Living Greater Baltimore at cslgreaterbaltimore.org. Joining me today is my friend and co-host in the ultimate oneness that is the universe, Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Jim. That, that's quite the introduction, and I was just feeling cranky today. It's good to know <laughs> that I'm actually not, and I'm one with the universe. You Thank are you. one with the universe. So you got your COVID shot, I understand. I got the first one, yeah. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Looking forward to, well, not excited, but, you know, looking for mine in the near future, I hope. Yeah, I'm really, you know, I, I think with spring coming right now and with vaccines out and all of us coming out of our homes, I feel a sense of hope in the air. Uh, there's yes. also some stuff going on right now that I'm not real happy about on the news. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but, I, but I do feel like there is a, a sense of hope and I'm seeing a little more generosity in people. And I really like that. I like that too. I like that too. I, uh, you know, it's hard not to look at the news and find the, the horrible things and frustrations that happen. And it's just a matter, I think, sometimes of, you know, taking taking that into mind, understanding that things happen, and that we can do something about it too. That we can work together to make it a, a world that works for everyone if we if we try if we work on that. Yeah, I think, you know, we often talk about that as the both and yeah, that, you know, that we're not running away from that, which is suffering and, and the work that we need to do in the world. But we also find moments for for joy and for lightness and for humor in the midst of that to keep the well going, right? If, if we're stuck in um, some of, of the sadness and the um, difficult feelings it can help to balance them with some of the things that are perhaps a little lighter. So I enjoy this show each week, Jim, even though we tackle some big topics to also uh, crack a few jokes at the same time. Yes, I agree. I like that too. And I'm excited because we, we get to kind of look into your closet of goodies today. 
because we have one of your teachers on the show from One Spirit, where you're a teacher and minister and something of a grand poobah, as I understand, as as the Flintstones TV show might say. Oh no, we would be interviewing the grand poobah today. <laughs> <laughs> although I although I don't know that that would be cu culturally appropriate for us to use that particular term for Diane, but uh, she is a a wonderful, wonderful part of my journey, and I'm I'm grateful to be able to share her with all of our listeners today. I'm excited about it. I think um, I'm wondering what attracted you to One Spirit in the first place. You know, it's so funny, and and it's something that I think um, those listening may may identify a little bit with too. Sometimes you just feel this sense of being drawn to something, and you're not sure why, and you try to resist it. Nah, not me. Right. I have many, many thoughts of no, I'm the rebellious preacher's oh, kid. Yeah, I'm not. No, come on. And then the universe uh, or God or the force or whatever term we want to use today gave me a number of little nudges. Uh, just things about one spirit started showing up around me and things about ministry and things about um, oh, like weird little things in my Facebook. Like, do you want to learn biblical Hebrew? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have yet to learn biblical Hebrew, it's still on the bucket list. But, you know, I, I started paying attention to these little nudges. And I also started paying attention to the people that I was finding from this community that, that kept being put in my path. And they were generous and kind. And they seemed to have uh, some things worked out that I didn't yet. And as a 12-stepper, I've learned to, you know, stick around the people that seem to have something you want. And Diane and the folks at One Spirit had something I wanted. And so I, I found myself as a student there. And I loved it so much uh, that I didn't want to leave. And so I found different ways to volunteer and eventually uh, found my way onto the faculty. So it's a, it's a beautiful organization that I, I have a, a huge piece of my heart is, is tied to. So I'm hoping that uh, our listeners today will take a lot of wisdom from Diane. She's got a lot to say. I imagine she does. And, um, you know, it's so exciting to be able to talk with her and be able to explore this, this kind of education, this kind of thought, you know, that, that brings people together. Now, I hope there wasn't any hazing there, was there? Or, or were there sororities or frats or anything with One Spirit? No. You know, <laughs> although I'm having I'm having something from high school that's kind of bubbling up to the surface right now, and I'm like, oh my god, swim team hazing. Uh, we we didn't have that. You know, the the one spirit. You know, I'm program, kidding, of course, right? <laughs> I, you know what though? It's kind of an interesting thing to think about, where you know we do have difficult topics that bubble up that you work with, but mm -hmm, you're supported yeah. through them, not hazed through them. Good. That's good to know. That's good to know. All right. Are you ready for our quotes today? I am. I have to admit it's a really long one, Jim. Hey, that's okay. We're open. I'm feeling loquacious. So here we go. When a path opens up before us that leads we know not where, don't be afraid to follow it. Our lives are meant to be mysterious journeys unfolding one step at a time. Don't be afraid to lose your way. Out of chaos, clarity will eventually arise. Out of not knowing, something new and unknown will ultimately come. Do not order things too swiftly. Wait, and the miracle will appear. Who's that? That's wonderful. That's Anne Mortifee from the book In Love with the Mystery. Oh, wow. 
And yeah. it seemed to kind of hit this topic today where we're talking about if we're feeling called to spiritual leadership or what we're feeling called to do in the world. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, those moments of chaos, we can sometimes, we just forget sometimes that it will it will change. You know, I, I, I know that in my life, I've had those moments when I had no vision of what would come next. You know, I didn't know what was mine to do. And as I look back, it's like it, it did appear. You know, I just had to be a little more patient to allow it to come and to connect with it. And like you said earlier, you know, sometimes it's I, really, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. Is that really what I'm going to do? <laughs> but ultimately, so true. yeah, ultimately we, we accept the journey that feels, feels right to us. Yeah. All right. You ready for my quote? I am. There is only one river. There is only one sea and it flows through you and it flows through me. There's only one people. We are one and the same. We are all one spirit. We are all one name. Oh, look how you did that. I feel <laughs> like you need a guitar. <laughs> you should. That was Peter Garrow from uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah, I, 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 could, I felt his spirit coming through. Oh, that was beautiful. Nice way to work one spirit in there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And I apologize to Diane for saying Grand Pooba. I don't know. You know, it's a Flintstones you know thing. What, though? You know what, though? It, that's a useful thing to bubble up today because I've really been thinking a lot about language and some of the, the references we use that are humorous. And, you know, going back and saying, wait, where did that come from? And why am I using that? Where did and that what, come from? What and where do we use? From? I think, you know, that's a great question. Yeah. So, you know, to go back and say, hey, wait, and then look at it and say, all right, is this something I want to keep or, mm -hmm. or I don't, there's a lot of racial language that we've mm. been seeing lately. Mm -hmm. You know me, I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm really hip on whether we use animals and language. So maybe right. we'll go explore that a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's very interesting. You, you have made me much more aware of the language that I use and the, you know, the, it's just second nature, these things that come up because of our upbringing and really, it is important to pay attention to our words because our words have meaning and impact. Absolutely. All right. You ready to jump into the episode? I am. Let's do it. Let's go. Here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi, friends. It's Martha Creek. All blessings to you as you're out there working to make our world and our planet a better place. Today's topic is a part of a series um, on resiliency. Resiliency, and it happens to be my favorite part of humans so far, is our ability to adapt and our ability to innovate and to grow through things, even challenging, especially challenging things. And the idea today then for this segment is in developing res resiliency and up-leveling and uplifting my capacity for this to use good problem-solving skills. Use sane problem-solving skills so that when I'm faced in a situation or a challenge or something that's uncomfortable or frightening or threatening or whatever, to pause, to put a pause in there to say, I'm going to look at this situation and I'm going to make a list of possible solutions. It doesn't mean I'm going to do them. 
It's not a good one or a bad one. It's just like, what are some possible solutions? So I remember hearing once when I was a kid that every perceived problem has a minimum of 33 solutions. So I have no idea where it came from or if it's true, but I remember it gave me some grounded hope. And it encourages me to look at the situation then and say, what would a possible solution here be? So making a list of possible solutions and then take small, simple steps. Small, simple steps. So this week I heard from someone who called me that they uh, had were frustrated and burned out and exhausted over applying for jobs. They were applying for jobs, applying for jobs, and they're going into the ethers and nobody's responding to them and they're just exhausted from it and sick of it and all this. And it, it had been challenging. Some of those application processes took a 50 minutes or even up to an hour. So it was onerous, it wasn't fun. And this is an example of saying, okay, I've got to get my mindset different about this. So for me, I have to remember what my why is. So a possible solution for this would be to be enroll a friend, which she did. So she and I sat together and we got 20 job applications done in about two hours, not one done in two hours. So that bolstered her up. So some simple step toward that. And to remain open in the process of this, that through this discernment and this thinking and even the worry that's in there, you know, and worry takes a bad rap, which it isn't. I mean, it's scientifically proven that it's worry that causes us to innovate. It's worry that at, at times it can go the other way, but worry can also be a catalyst for us to think and to innovate and to resource and to look at possible solutions, take simple steps, to even try a simple step, even though it may not work. I'm going to apply some simple step to this to see. And for sure, I'm going to remain open to new ideas. So where I could look to somebody else. How did they do it in a situation? How did other people do it when they were applying for jobs? Or how did other people do it when they were raising children? So I can draw on the resources of others to get new ideas, new possibilities that would grow my list then of possible solutions and inform my next steps. So my sane, sensible next step would be, as I'm cultivating resiliency, I'm gonna look at possible solutions, take some simple steps forward, stay open to new ideas, resource to gain new ideas, and then apply those possibilities at will. So you are resilient. I know who you are, I know what you are, and I know how you're serving, friends. Godspeed, and I'll see you on the next segment. MarthaCreek.com to contact me. And now it's time for our interview. Reverend Diane Burke is the founder and spiritual director of One Spirit Learning Alliance. Ordained as an interfaith minister in 1988, she is a respected pioneer in the field of interfaith and interspiritual education. Diane has worked closely with Andrew Harvey and his Institute for Sacred Activism, is a founding member of the Con Contemplative Alliance of the Global Peace Initiative of Women, and is a founding member of Transformation 365, an online platform to introduce people to a broad range of co contemplative practices. She's also a certified facilitator of the Circle of Trust work of the Center for Courage and Renewal. She maintains a private practice in spiritual counseling, companionship, and has led retreats and workshops in spiritual development throughout the U.S. and internationally. She's also a licensed mental health counselor in New York State. 
That's a lot to talk about. That's a lot. Well, glad you're here, Diane. Thanks for joining us on Big Universe. Thank you, Jim. So glad to be here. I guess my first question is, um, you know, your path led you to found uh, One Spirit Learning Alliance. W what was that path and, and why did you decide to uh, found the, the organization? My path from the time that I was very, very young drew me to a sense of the universal in the teachings of all of the world's religions. I was brought up Jewish, had a strong Jewish education and upbringing. But from the time that I was very, very young, I also felt drawn to learn about and study other religions. I grew up in a community that had an openness to interfaith activity. And we were taken, for example, to visit different houses of worship. And I felt at home in all of them, which I thought I was not supposed to feel. I thought I was supposed to feel at home in the synagogue and uh, polite and respectful in the church, but that wasn't what was real for me. And so I had a sense from the time I was very young that the sacred expresses itself and reveals itself to human beings in many, many different ways and forms. And as I got older and began to uh, to explore not only various spiritual traditions and religions, but also psychology and, and human development, emotional growth. Um, I found that that universal pull became even stronger. I became an interfaith minister in 1988, I believe. And, um, and after, I was ordained, I was invited to come onto the faculty of the institution where I went through seminary. And I did that for the next 10 years and then became director of that school for another four years. After 9-11, I began to feel a sense of urgency to the work of um, people recognizing the unity in the human family and also that the different religious traditions could inform each other and inform our individual understanding of what it means really to be a true human being on this earth um, and to live in the world with compassion and kindness and respect. Sorry, that's, I live in yeah, New York there's City. Yeah, there's a sense of urgency right there. <laughs> I was hitting urgency. my mute button wondering if it hear, was mine too. As, no, no, no. As we hear that. It is outside my window, the, the ever-present serenade of sirens. Um, at any rate, I, I felt a real sense of urgency to the work and had a sense that the container where I was was not large enough to expand into the vision that I had for where this work would go. Around that same time, I came across Wayne Teasdale's book, which had just come out, The Mystic Heart, in which he coined the term interspirituality. And I was very taken with that because I felt it described more accurately what our orientation and our approach was than the earlier understanding of interfaith and interfaith dialogue. 
So I was led really to leave where I was and to start One Spirit. That happened in uh, the summer of 2002. And since then we have grown and grown. We've ordained probably at this point between 14 and 1500 oh, wow. interspiritual ministers and um, interspiritual counselors. And uh, yeah. Let me, let me ask you, when you said you felt led to, led to this, what was that, what was that like? What, what kind of urging, what did you feel? How did you feel that urging? Can you put that into words? That's a hard thing to put into words. It is, but, but when you experience it, it's very, very real and very, very tangible. Um, there's, in my experience, it's, it's like a sense of inner knowing a sense of inner certainty that this is the path I need to be on. This is the path I need to take. This is what I need to do. And even though the thought of starting a new organization, a new school was incredibly daunting and frightening, underneath kind of all of the emotional waves of anxiety and concern and oh my god what if people staff people come with me and then we don't make it and what have i done taking them away from this other job and all of that kind of thing that underneath all of that turmoil is a much deeper layer of peace mm-hmm. that that kind of holds you through the emotional waves so for me that's that sense of guidance really comes with more than anything else, that deep inner sense of knowing and rightness of the decision, even in the midst of emotional turmoil. Mm, interesting. Interesting. That's something that, that I hear often from people of, I, I feel this calling and yet I have all these other resistance points or these ideas of why it won't work or what, um, what will hold me back from it? What was helpful for you in accessing that underneath peace, peace amidst that turmoil? H- how did you work with that? Well, I'll be very honest. Um, one of the things that, that was very helpful for me were a lot of outward signs of confirmation. Um, I'm not sure I could have uh, done all of that inner stabilizing if I were only working on it inwardly. But the experience at the time felt very much like that scene in one of the Indiana Jones movies, where he's on one side of a chasm with his (laughs) father, with his father who is dying and needs him to get the grail. And the grail is on the other side of the chasm. And it's just far too wide for him to to step across or even jump across and he just finally without um, any alternative he realizes he just needs to step out into the void and as he puts his foot forward a piece of a bridge appears underneath his feet and with every step he takes a bit more of the bridge appears until finally he's able to to just walk across 
bit by bit with the bridge showing up until he gets to the other side. Hmm. And, and that's what this experience was like for me. Um, it included a benefactor stepping forward um, very unexpectedly who had a sense of the, um, the challenges and the, the discrepancy in vision between where I was and where I felt called, who literally came and said, if you want to start something new, I will support you. Wow. So that was a huge, huge confirmation, obviously, yes. that allowed us, um, allowed us to move forward in ways that otherwise we would not have been. So again, the, the universe uh, showed up with support in the way of financial support, people support, excitement from other people about this idea, kind of every way that the universe could say you're on the right track did show up. And at the time, I absolutely needed that. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, you know, when you invoke Indiana Jones, well, that that goes to, that's a sign for Sarah and I that we're talking to the right people <laughs> when there's something like Indiana Jones or Star Wars brought up, right, Sarah? It is. And it's also a good point. You know, we often talk, Jim and I love to have binders and plans and spreadsheets and all of these things. And I think it's an important reminder that those are great and they're useful and they're helpful, but also that idea of stepping the foot out into the mystery or into that which we that which is unknown is a big important part of that too absolutely there's a wonderful uh i think it's f oh the the himalayan expedition the scottish himalayan expedition i can't remember the man's name but he writes about the experience of preparing for that and ends with uh he says Every time you take a step, providence moves also. Hmm. And it sets in motion things that could not otherwise have occurred. Hmm. And he ends with one of Goethe's couplets about um, boldness and, and genius and, and just stepping forward. I can't remember the quote at the moment, but I think many people have had that, that experience um, and it's important, I think, as well, because we need that feedback. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, we need feedback on whether our guidance, you know, because uh, the ego loves to dress up in spirit's clothing. Oh, mm -hmm. yes, it does. Yes. And, <laughs> and, you know, will announce to us, now hear this, this is what you are meant to do. And I think we always need a healthy skepticism when we experience a sense of guidance. I do think that that, that deep foundation of peace is a, good, is a good guidance, is a good rule of thumb. But I also think we need to be open to correction. And if the universe is showing up in support, that's one additional piece of information that we can use. Absolutely. Well, we'll be right back with Diane on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter. Welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Diane Burke. So Diane, a uh, question for you. I know that uh, you've, you've had A Course in Miracles as a part of your life. Tell me how it's affected you and, and why you've chosen that path or why you've gone down that path. I've been a student of, of the course really since the late 1980s. So it's been a part of my life and, and is probably my most serious and devoted spiritual path. Um, I think I was originally drawn to the course because I had in my life uh, gone through a period of disillusionment with uh, religion and spirituality and had turned my search at that point to psychology and psychotherapy and emotional development. And then I went through a similar disillusionment with psychology and psychotherapy and emotional development. And that ended up kind of starting me back on a spiritual search, although at the time I wouldn't have recognized that. It, it sort of set me in the direction of consciousness studies. When I came across A Course in Miracles, it brought together both what made the most sense to me in my background in religion and spirituality and psychology and psychotherapy. So uh, it made a tremendous amount of sense to me on that level. But I think on a very personal level, um, I had struggled through much of my life with, uh, with what I can only describe as recurring times of what would feel like um, depression or a sense of, of anxiety or dread that didn't really seem to have to do with my personal history mm -hmm. that had to, you know, I, I would read the existential philosophers and they would talk about existential guilt and existential dread. And there was, there was something that I resonated to about those experiences as part of the human condition. But I could never find a way out of those things. I, I couldn't really find a sense of release from the suffering of those kinds of experiences. And the course is really what opened a doorway for me to, for the first time, experience a a sense of freedom mm. and a sense of that kind of deeper peace that I was describing earlier and made sense out of those existential uh, states that in fact are built into a mind that believes in separation, mm. that they are built into the separated mind. And the gift of the course is it says, we're not stuck there. Hmm. We actually have a choice. 
when people are interested in the course, does it mean they have to follow that course entirely or is there room for these other philosophies as well? What the course says about itself is that it is simply one form of a universal curriculum, which is the curriculum of waking up from the dream of separation. And it absolutely does not say that it, it itself is the only path or the right path for everyone. If you sense that it is your path, there is real value in following it with diligence and dedication and going as far as it can take you. Hmm. But people can also get tremendous benefit from many of the teachings of the course without becoming dedicated students of the course. So I would say there's room for both, although the deeper you go in, the more you're likely to, to find contradictions between that thought system and other philosophies that can't necessarily be resolved intellectually. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's an interesting question, Jim, to broaden to, because it's something that people come up against a lot, which is, I'm interested in, in this path and this path and this sacred text and this practice, but I'm feeling some resistance that I, I'm supposed to be on, on one or that there's something wrong with not going deeper. You know, there's a lot of that that kind of goes around in the mind. I know that we talk a lot at One Spirit about these common things amongst the different traditions. And we talk about universal spirituality or interspirituality or things that are, are common. But Diane, what do you recommend for people who are, who are feeling this, whether it's in the course or whether it's just in their spirituality, of that conflict between needing to go deep or being attracted to a lot of different things? Again, I think that a discernment process and developing tools for discernment is really critical. We can explore different things, both as a way of not committing to anything and of jumping from one thing to another as soon as the path, which itself is arduous, Mm -hmm. The spiritual path in any philosophy, in in any philosophy yeah. is arduous. And so we will be tempted when it gets tough, when we're challenged, when, when our image of ourselves or our ego, if we want to use that term, is threatened to jump over to something else. And that will absolutely delay our development. On the other hand, um, everyone's path is absolutely individual, even within one philosophy or one tradition. And we will be drawn intuitively to things that will support our growth because that inner journey is undertaken under the direction of, I believe, a deep inner wisdom. Matthew Wright is an Episcopal priest who has done a lot of very deep exploration of other spiritual paths as well. The Sufi path, um, some of the Hindu paths, I believe. And 
the way he describes interspirituality, uh, you know, the, the criticism, of course, is always, well, you're just going to dig a bunch of shallow wells and none of them are going to get you down to the, the, the deep river of living, living wisdom. And what Matthew has said about his experience is it isn't that I've been digging 10 shallow wells. It's that I've been given 10 shovels hmm. with which to dig one very deep well. Hmm. And I think that the, the real understanding of interspirituality is that it's not at the level of theology that the different wisdom teachings support and enhance each other. In fact, Course in Miracles says the universal theology is impossible. Mm, We're not all going to agree at the level of the intellect. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. But it says a universal experience mm. is not only possible, but necessary. And the interspiritual perspective says that each of these great traditions arose out of an initial revelation, an initial direct experience and knowing of the unity of being the underlying unity and interconnectedness and interdependence of all of life and all of creation. And that each religion and spiritual path has developed practices and ways of helping people tap into that direct experience we will always describe the experience in different language based on our cultural background, based on our religious orientation. But even as we describe it in different language, we can recognize in each other's description that we're talking about the same thing hmm. or we're talking about something that's, that's very, very, very much akin and, and related. And so the, the exploration of different traditions, I think, is geared much less toward what do I believe than it is to how deeply can I access the experience of unity, mm. the experience of love the experience of open-hearted, universal compassion and kinship with, with the whole of life. Mm-hmm. And that we explore these different paths because they give us entries into that experience. Um, that's my understanding. And one of those things that you've gotten quite involved in on this, this idea of many shovels <laughs> or many paths uh, is Transformation 365. And I think that's an interesting thing to spend a little time talking about. 
Transformation 365 uh, actually came out of the 2018 Parliament of World Religions in Toronto. Uh, several of us who were there, who didn't all know each other directly, were brought together through a shared interest in helping to introduce people to contemplative practice and to support people in establishing a daily contemplative practice. One of the things Wayne Teasdale said is that spiritual practice is the technology for inner transformation. And inner transformation is the platform for outer transformation, for world transformation. So uh, a group of us who were introduced to each other at the parliament began meeting weekly to explore together how we could develop a platform that would make available to people who had very little background in, in the spiritual search all the way to people who had were already dedicated practitioners. And we developed Transformation 365, which is an online uh, platform where the way we've operated up till now is that pretty much every two weeks, we have uh, presented a, a teacher offering some kind of contemplative practice uh, and having an archive library where people can then go back and continue to work with those practices. We're, we're now evolving to the point where we're going to introduce one practice a month and then a few weeks later offer an opportunity for people who've been working with the practice to come together to talk about their experiences and how they might go deeper with that practice. What I love about that platform, and I usually access it through contemplativelife.org, yes. but I believe it's also available on Facebook, uh, is that I read a lot of books about practices. And, and, and I read them, and then I sit down to try them, and I think, am I doing this right? Or this feels a little awkward, or this feels a little weird, or, you know, I, and sometimes it can feel a little isolating to try something yeah. alone, right? Or I, I don't know, there's something about... Uh, having other people who are potentially feeling awkward doing mm -hmm. it too sometimes. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Right? That, Absolutely. So, I, so yeah. I think I think this idea of, you know, we used to learn about these practices so much from from books, from reading it, from trying it, not sure. It's like doing ballet without a mirror. Like you're not even sure, right? And I yeah. think that online, um, being able to see people are being led through uh, is is something that's really useful. Absolutely. And, and I think that... Um, the other way people would learn about practices is you would have to travel to where a teacher is mm -hmm. or yes. where a teacher mm -hmm. is giving a workshop. And many people had financial limitations that interfered with that or time limitations that didn't allow them to take time off from work to do that travel. And so really one of the blessings of the internet has been making a lot of these experiential teachings far more accessible to a far wider audience of people. You know, many teachers who uh, 
I think, were adamant that, that they would never teach actual practice online out of necessity um, had to discover that in fact we can do it very effectively mm -hmm. yeah. and we've had to especially during this pandemic we've had to yes. during the pandemic absolutely yeah it's it's auspicious and a little eerie that we started to do that in time for when we really needed it while mm -hmm. we were in lockdown yes yes and I think auspicious in the sense of um, we have needed to stay in lockdown long enough that our way of living has genuinely been interrupted. So that now as we gradually move toward reopening, there's a real question of how much do we want to go back to the way it used to be? And how much do we intentionally want to maintain some of the slower pace, maintain some of the increased spaciousness, maintain some of the capacity that some people have developed for solitude that, um, that is so much a part of most contemplative traditions, but that was so easy to avoid before we had to maintain social distance. And so we've, we've actually inadvertently, or perhaps advertently, touched on a couple of these nine elements of universal spirituality, as we've been talking here with Diane. One of them is embracing a regular spiritual practice. Another one that she's alluding to right now is living a life of simplicity as well as one. There, there's also one that is near and dear to my heart that I'd love to pull in here, uh, which is empowering the prophetic voice for justice, compassion, and world transformation. Can you talk a little bit about what you see as the role of compassionate service in, in all of this that we're talking about? I think that without that, there is no future. Mm -hmm. That, yes. that compassion, as His Holiness has said, is no longer a luxury. It's an absolute necessity for the survival of life on the planet, not simply human life, but all life. Um, compassionate service, the prophetic voice, is also so related to some of the other elements that, that Wayne Teasdale wrote about is these nine elements of a universal mature spirituality. One of those is a, is a sense of solidarity and kinship with all living beings, which I know Sarah is something that is also very dear to your heart that, um, that our circle of compassion needs to expand beyond the human family, which is challenging enough for many, many, many people on the planet yes. to, to include um, the animal world, the world of plants, the world, you know, the, the living waters, um, the entirety of creation is in need of our ability to recognize suffering where it exists on every level and allow the natural care and concern of our hearts to want to respond to that suffering. Mm 
And I think that that's another one of these nine that's uh, cultivating a life of deep nonviolence. Yes, as well. While it's so easy to recognize physical violence and to recognize the the kind of immediate um, abhorrence most of us feel to witnessing physical violence, that a life of deep nonviolence goes far beyond refraining from physical violence. That, uh, that if you listen to the quality of our social discourse, it is massively and horrifically violent. Almost everything that gets posted on social media is one attack after another after another, after another, and then a counterattack and a counter counterattack. And it's almost as if we have forgotten how to be with one another in any way other than attack, criticism, demonization, otherizing, all of which are forms of violence. We just have a couple of minutes left and I just wanted to touch on spiritual practices. Are there, you know, we have a lot of listeners and one of the things we like to do is give people tools that they can use. Are there particular spiritual practices that you might recommend? I mean, I know there are all kinds of different ones that are available, but are there ones that work really well for you that you might suggest? Um, my primary contemplative meditative practice of silence is something called centering prayer that was developed by Thomas Keating. Um, what I love about centering prayer is that it cultivates what I think of as the most deeply contemplative um, posture, if you will, which is a posture of receptivity in centering prayer, and I'm not gonna go through the instructions, but the quality of the experience is, is really just a quality of, of allowing yourself to sit in the presence of the mystery with openness and attentiveness and no agenda, no sense of anything that has to happen during that time, no, uh, no specific experience you're trying to get to. But similar to our being here together in conversation and deeply listening, you know, is there something you want to say? Is there something you'd like me to know? And allowing myself to be receptive to whatever arises, whatever is the, what I think of as the, the prompting or the action of spirit within my consciousness. What's it like to have founded a seminary? How did it change your life? I know we just had a little bit, a couple minutes left, but I just wondered how it, how it's affected your life. Well, I will say it was pretty all-consuming <laughs> for, um, for the first many years. And mm -hmm. I likened it, in fact, to... Uh, in a sense, what got me through those early years was I thought of myself as having had a baby. 
-hmm. And that in the first years after you have a baby, when the baby is an infant and, and very young, you don't get time off. You, that's you know, for sure. Your, your that's life, for sure. Your life is <laughs> oriented toward the care and well-being and welfare of, of this being. And that analogy has, uh, has really carried me through, even to the point where uh, last June I stepped back. I'm no longer the director of the seminary training, which I was from the beginning. And in a sense, I've moved into a kind of uh, spiritual grandparent stage in my life where I'm happy to come in. I'm delighted always to see the child, to play with the child. And then I'm really happy to go home at the end of the day <laughs> and let someone else have the main responsibility for, uh, for its ongoing well-being. It's and what a wonderful thing to to have it live on to keep for it yes, to keep growing. Absolutely. And I was very clear when I started One Spirit that it was not about me. It was not simply a place for me to do my work. That this was really something that has its own life and its own destiny and its own contribution to make to the world. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, seeing that occur and just recognizing, recognizing the lifelong relationships that have developed among people who've come through one spirit has just been more gratifying and more deeply satisfying and meaningful than, than I could ever have imagined. Wonderful, Diane. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on Big Universe. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. For more great information about Diane's seminary, go to one spirit, the number one spirit.org. And you can also find out more about contemplative life at contemplativelife.org. Um, it's been a pleasure having you on. For more great information about Sarah Bowen, go to www.spiritual-rebel.com. I've got some premium video courses and I help people create them on my website called youthrivehere.com. Thanks everybody for joining us today. I'm Jim Lefter with Sarah Bowen and we'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.